When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I want winners. I want people that want to win. You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. You got to put your money where your mouth is, Pete. It's not gambling advice. Friday, February 25th. Welcome to Not Gambling Advice. Today, we are ranking first baseman 10 to 1. On Wednesday's episode, we did 30 to 11. Colby Olson is joining me once again with his dog. What's up, dude? How's the puppy in the background? Dude, pup- puppy is uh, is licking somewhere he should not be licking right now. <laughs> um, but he's doing well, and I'm doing well. I'm excited to get into the top 10 first basemen, right? We, we let up with 30 through 11, but we're getting into the real meat of the first baseman. I'm hyped. And we would uh, go over 30 to 11, but we'd like you to go listen to episode three of Not Gambling Advice, or you can find our full rankings on JustBaseball.com as well. That should be up by the beginning of next week, but the catcher rankings are already up, as well as episode two of Not Gambling Advice, where we rank the catchers 30 down to one. So Colby, we were having a little bit of a text debate earlier on two guys within our top 10, and we decided 7A and 7B, but we're going to get to that a little bit later. Talk about the incredible nature of first base, the fact that every single one of these guys is going to hit. But before we get into the top 10, what's your strategy when drafting first baseman? It's a really good question. I mean, to, to start off, I would just like to, to give ourselves a pat on the bat for being so diplomatic with how we handled that process. Like, with so much polarization in our world today, we came together, found a middle ground, and said, you know what? We'll duel it out. It's okay that we disagree. It's okay, it's okay. that we disagree. People that's, should disagree. That's the point. It kind of makes our podcast more entertaining, too, because if we're both at the same time being like, we both exactly agree. We came to the exact same conclusion, and here it is. Now, we need a little bit of mustard. No. You need a little bit no. of firepower. You know what I'm talking about? And that's what Wouldn't we got. Be, would not be genuine. We're genuine dudes. But, yeah, so get, so getting into the strategy of first base, um, I think, you know, fantasy baseball drafting is all about finding value, but there's just so much value to go around with first baseman that in the first 10 rounds i'm usually not gonna take a first baseman i'm probably taking a guy in that 100 to 150 range like a reese hoskins or even waiting for a guy like alex kirloff like he could start on your team and be very very good and you're getting him very very late um and that's not to say that that you shouldn't take one of these guys in the top 10 if you find really good value but um a lot of these first basemen are not going to get you stolen bases, and stolen bases are at such a premium in fantasy baseball that it's so important for you to get stolen bases in those first 10 rounds, along with getting pitchers, Yeah. right? It's not just a hitter's game. There's pitchers there, too. So, um, so yeah, I, I think the, the top 10 is important, but for me, my strategy is getting that value you know, in that 10 to 20 range of the first baseman. 
totally understand what you're saying because when it comes to the first base position, they're all going to hit and it's all so loaded. We're about to get in the top 10, but when we went on the other episode, there was five to 10 dudes who I would love to have on my fantasy baseball team. But when you're talking about, I wouldn't draft them in the first 10 rounds. I think that's not a strategy that you should just hold and and not back off of it a little bit if you get value like you were saying. For example, if a guy like Jared Walsh drops far in your draft, go get him within the first 10 rounds because he's being drafted you know, in the 50s or the 60s. Is that a bad pick? Maybe if you take him in the fourth round, fifth round, probably. But if you can get him at a little bit of a drop, it's always great value. So it's about picking together your team getting it at the best value possible. So right now we're going to go through our top 10. So let's start at number 10 with Josh Bell of the Washington Nationals. Josh Bell hits the ball harder than most players in baseball. It's just a fact. He finished in the 92nd percentile or better in average exit velocity, max exit velocity, and hard hit rate. But he's not really a boom or bust guy. He sprayed the ball to all fields last year, and his strikeout and walkout rates are very encouraging. Not important for fantasy baseball, but it is if you know you're getting a good hitter. And his expected stats were even better than his standard stats in 2021. And we should expect a 270 batting average with an easy potential of 30 home runs. He may lack in RBIs and runs due to a putrid Nationals offense, but he's a great hitter and should be drafted higher than he's currently being drafted at the 12th first baseman off the board. Josh Bell rakes. Agreed. Agreed, man. Um, In the second half last year, he hit 277 with a 14% K rate. That's that's just money for average right there. I think that 261 last year is probably below what he's capable of. I think he could he could easily be in that 270 to 280 range. Um, and while I don't think that he is going to hit 37 home runs again like he did in 2019, because let's face it, his ground ball rate right now at 53 to 55 percent like it was last year is just way too high for him to hit 35 to 40 home runs. But I think you're absolutely right. When he does hit the ball in the air, he hits it really hard. And 28 to 30 home runs seems just like, let's lock it in. He's going to hit in the two to four hole in the Nationals lineup. And yes, the Nationals are not going to be good, but he can still drive in Juan Soto. Juan Soto is going to have a 450 on base percentage. Somebody's got to drive him in. Um, So yeah, Josh Bell's locked in for a good year. And I think that Josh Bell in that lineup is going to probably see a lot of pitches to hit to your point about Juan Soto getting walked all the time. He's kind of the guy that has to do the damage, has to drive in the runs. He might sell out a little bit more for power this year. He may not. His approach is still good enough that even if he does sell out for power, I don't see his batting average dropping below 250. And I think just with, I mean, Colby, the guy hits the ball just straight up harder than pretty much everybody else in baseball. If he could just get a little bit more lift on the ball, could easily see 30 home runs. And I think that's a standard that we should expect. I think 30 is what we should expect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he could definitely revert back to what he was doing. Like, in 2019, his his ground ball rate was, like, a more sustainable uh, 45%, and he was still hitting the ball as hard as he is now. So, yeah, I could see him reverting back to that, making a small change, and, like, before you know it, he's hitting 35 home runs again. Um, but, yeah, it's it really just comes down to the Nationals lineup, like, handicapping him a lot here. Um, but that's fine. Not a problem. I think there's a lot of value here with Josh Bell. I'd be happy with him on my team. He's number 10. You know, <laughs> very solid. Um, so that brings us to number nine. It's a guy who 
broke out as a rookie last year, and you might not know who he is, but before long, you're going to know a lot about him. It's Ryan Mountcastle of the Baltimore Orioles. Um, he also plays outfield, which is, you know, big, big for his value here. Last year, he hit 255 with 33 home runs, 77 runs, 89 RBIs, and sprinkled in four stolen bases. Um, I could see him, you know, kind of doing what he did last year, and the Orioles lineup might be a little bit better, as we've talked about with Adley Rutschman. And overall, Mountcastle is going to be hitting fourth in that order two through four in that order as well um plug him in for kind of a similar year 30 home runs you know 75 runs 80 to 90 rbis very very solid with i think potential for even more than that um he hits the ball in the air a lot his hard hit rate was only about 40 percent last year which you know is definitely not in like the top of the league it's about league average but um like we said he's a rookie i could i could definitely expect improvement here from Mountcastle next year Agreed, as he moves into his age 25 season. Um, last year when he was 24, I mean, you're right, 33 bombs. And he is such a fantasy baseball player. He finished in the first percentile of outs above average. Terrible defender over there at first base. And he doesn't really walk that much. But when we're talking fantasy, you can expect 30 to 35 home runs. You can expect 90 RBIs. You can expect 70 to 80 runs. And I think he could easily hit 260. That's extremely valuable. And especially, he'll steal a couple bags for you, too. I'm a big believer in Ryan Mountcastle. And you're right, especially in that revamped Orioles offense with Adley Rutschman coming yeah. up. I just think it's going to be better, especially with Ryan Mountcastle. So, and if, if uh, you play in a dynasty league, you should be all over Ryan Mountcastle. Absolutely. And and that it might be make sense to tell the viewers again what we're ranking these guys off. It's the 5x5. Five five. Batting average, runs, RBIs, stolen bases. What am I forgetting? Home runs. It's pretty important. Home runs. And uh, but yeah, and it's redraft. So right, it's just a one-year draft just for this next season. So Mount Castle, you know, could be a guy that that by next season we're talking about is like going into his third season as solidified himself as like a top five first baseman. I don't think top five because there's too many first basemen. But number nine for a guy that was a rookie last year is is that's hype. That's hype. It's hype. How about Max Muncy? Because he's a little bit interesting. The question is, when will Max Muncy of the Los Angeles Dodgers return? He's been one of the most consistent players in baseball since 2018. But a UCL injury can take up to 18 months for pitchers. But we've seen guys come back much sooner, and it's on his non-throwing arm. But when does he return? If we expect 162, I mean, we got to talk about it, but... If he's going to play, expect 35 bombs, expect 90 to 100 RBIs, 100 runs, and he might steal you a bag or two. But he's being currently drafted as the 16th best first baseman, as there is obvious concern there with the elbow. How he got it last season at the end of the year, a bad collision. You know, it was a guy running to first base, he got his arm caught and tore the UCL. And Colby, you and I were talking about it in the Just Baseball group chat. And you're a bit more concerned. I, it, it's not that I'm concerned um, that that he won't eventually come back and, and be healed. It's just a more of a concern that we haven't heard anything, right? So the, the, the last report we have is Muncie said Monday in an appearance on MLB Network that he isn't healing as quickly as anticipated after he sustained a torn UCL, at UCL in addition to a dislocation of his left elbow in October. Um 
That's what happens when you do some serious damage to your body. A torn UCL is a slow process. That was back in November of last year, and that's the last we've heard of that, right? Obviously, they're in a lockout. There can't be, there's not much to talk about here. But the fact that, that he was saying it, it's been a slow process to begin with and that recovery was not as quick as he expected really, really does worrying me. And, like, could this be a lingering thing throughout the year? Even if he does play opening day, does he re-aggravate it? Does something happen? Like, I I am not going to – I'm staying away from Max Muncy for that reason. I, He's such a good player. 35 home runs and, on command, it seems. And, and checks the boxes in terms of everything across the board plus the defensive versatility around the infield. And – Will he get outfield eligibility? I don't think no, so. But he, I assume he usually, mostly it's going to be first base, second base. Second, that second base eligibility makes his, his value so so big. But, yeah, I just – I just you just can't be think the guy it, to draft Muncy and have hurt. him be hurt. He got hurt in October, at the beginning of October. April, that's October, November, December, January, February, March, April. That's seven months. It's a quick recovery. I know it's his – non-dominant throwing arm but he's still got to swing it with a reconstructed elbow i agree with you i think he's gonna be okay but he's not a guy that i want to draft very high when there's other guys who i think are just more solid options who aren't injured but that's the thing with max muncie if you are able to get him and he is healthy what a freak what a steal so it's it's a it's a risk because he could be like one of the most valuable players in fantasy it's a risk and i mean Let's let's like we're just two people here. We even talked. Arm was not nervous about this, right? Arm was like, okay, he's exactly. gonna be fine. Um, but still, their interest in Freddie Freeman as well has made me a little bit skeptical skeptical of this as well. Like, if they're going so hard after Freddie Freeman, are they trusting Muncy to be healthy, or are they just like Muncy will play second base because we don't have Chris Taylor anymore? Or did they? Did they have Chris? No, they, they, they got Chris Taylor. Dude, we're... Oh, wait, 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 wait. Yes, yeah. yeah they we're have, deep, no, wait, we're wait. too deep in this lockout. <laughs> they have Chris Taylor. <laughs> they have Chris Taylor. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> we're like, oh, did he sign with the... Did he sign with the... Yeah, no, man. We're, we're a little... We're getting, like, stir-crazy. We might have to go refresh ourselves on uh, who's playing where. But um, I digress. Number seven is Jose Abreu. Okay, wait. This is actually where it gets different. This is where it gets interesting, Peter. Mm-hmm. This is where our mm-hmm. uh, issues come up. Shall I go first? Go first. Okay. So seven A and seven B are. Should I should I tee up who you're gonna talk about? Go ahead with yours, and I'll go ahead with mine, okay. and then we'll we'll debate right after. Okay. So one of the seventh ranked players for us at first base is Jose Abreu, who last year 261 30 home runs 86 runs 117 rbis in the last seven seasons jose abreu has gone over 100 rbis in six of them six of the last seven seasons he's had 100 rbis or more and the last three years for jose abreu have been insane in 2019 he had 123 rbis in the shortened 2020 season he won MVP. And then in 2021, last season, 117 RBIs. That is an insane three-year run. And with a White Sox lineup where he's going to have Luis Robert, Tim Anderson, Grandal, even Eloy Jimenez, a mix of just studs after studs after studs hitting in front of him in that lineup, 
there's going to be no shortening of opportunities for him to drive people in. and i could see him driving in 120 again like that 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 could be happen on command for him he hits 30 and 110 every single year so 7a is jared walsh of the los angeles angels and i love this guy jared walsh rakes he's currently being drafted as the ninth best first baseman but we think he should be a little bit higher the man hit 277 with 29 bombs and 98 RBIs in an Angels lineup with no Mike Trout and no Anthony Rendon for most of the season. He may take a small step back, maybe in the batting average department. Maybe you might see 260. His expecting batting average is near 257, but he has 30 home run pop easy and should surpass 100 RBIs in his age 28 season. And he even stole you two bags last year so he could throw you a bone in that department. So our debate is who would you rather take? Jose Abreu versus Jared Walsh. Currently, Jose Abreu is being taken a lot higher than Jared Walsh, about, what, 30 spots ahead? So I don't think it's necessarily an argument of, of who should be who I would take in a draft. I think it's just merely like in a pure rankings, 1 through 10, I think Jose Abreu is the better fantasy player here. But I think I agree with you. I think Jared Walsh value-wise might be the better value here because you're getting Jared Walsh 40 picks after Jose Abreu. Jose Abreu is 75th ADP. Jared Walsh is around one. 16 so it's 40 picks after after jose abreu so let's let's unpack the argument because you spoke about the white Sox lineup and the opportunity for rbis and runs and it's completely correct he's in a white Sox lineup that rakes no doubt about it my only thing is those guys have all been there especially last season as well jose abreu is entering his age 35 season his expected stats did not line up to his stats last year i just think that run of 30 home runs is going to come to an end. He hasn't done it. He didn't do it in 2016 or 2018, but he missed some time in 2018. But he hit exactly 30 last year. I don't know if he's going to hit 30 again. I still think he's going to get 100 RBIs. But on the Jared Walsh side, he's got a lineup now. Enter Mike Trout, the best player in baseball. Enter Anthony Rendon. We think Brendan Marsh is going to have a breakout year. Joe Adele is going to be roaming the outfield. I assume he's going to be better. David Fletcher continues to be pesky out of, you know, 285 OVP last year or something. But, like, you know, he's still a player. And then Max Dassey is an excellent catcher as well. He is going to be right in the middle of, it, if healthy, one of the better lineups in baseball. And he had obvious struggles last year against left-handed pitching. But I just think he's too talented to do any worse right? I think it'll at least be the same or better. And this is a guy who had a 994 OPS against right-handed pitching last year. You know, he's mostly going to face righties again this year. I know the occasional lefty is going to get thrown in there, but more often than not, he's going to face more righties. I just think he's such a good hitter. And I would even take him above Jose Abreu in drafts. And I understand you would take Abreu, but you like Jared Walsh as a better value. I'm ready to come up on here and say that I think Jared Walsh will have a better year next year than Jose Abreu. So my problem here from a fantasy perspective is that what Jared Walsh does against righties is insanity, right? He has a batting average over 300. He's going to hit most of his home runs against right-handers, and he's just going to dominate. Like you said, 9, 980 OPS, 970 OPS, whatever it was. Very, but I very will, high. But I will But I will. say he had 10 home runs against lefties last year and 19 against righties in almost 
two and a half times the amount of plate appearances. So the power is still there. It's just the average, the average and the walks. I disagree. Walks. I disagree. His slugging percentage was in the 300s against lefties. Um, he's not going to hit doubles against lefties. He, he's clearly a terrible hitter against lefties. His batting average is in the hundreds against lefties. So my only worry here is that if you're drafting Jared Walsh, you're basically drafting a guy that you're going to have to platoon because he might be in the lineup against lefties, but I don't think you should have him in your fantasy lineup against lefties because he's not going to do well. Um, and there's there could be value there, right? Because if you're drafting a guy that's going to hit 300 against righties, and then you have another first baseman on your team that you can plug in when Jared Walsh is facing a lefty, that's fine. But if you're in a weekly league, that's going to hurt you, right? So it just comes down to like your individual circumstances and how you want to play Jared Walsh. Because I don't think drafting Jared Walsh to just put him in your lineup, set and forget, is the way to, to put him out there. You're going to have to tinker with him. You're going to have to pay attention to who Jared Walsh is facing day to day. I guess, in my opinion, I don't think he's going to be as bad against lefties as he was last year. It was a bad year in 2021. There isn't much data because he hasn't played that many games in baseball. But if you look at 2020, if you look at 2019, it's super, super small sample size. He had eight plate appearances against what... lefties in 2019. Come, come on, Pete. Like that's like. But then, no. but then 80 in 2020. And he like, what? And he wasn't we can't that just, good. Are we? But but you, what you're doing is you're taking the entire 2021 season, saw that he was bad against lefties, and then saying for the rest of his career he will continue to be terrible against lefties. And I just think that's. I don't, I don't agree with that. I think that he can improve against left-handed pitching because he is a talented hitter. He knows that he struggled against left-handed pitching. I bet that he's taking a lot of this offseason to get better. And that's why I'm saying, even still, he finished the totality of 2021 with a better overall year than Jose Abreu had. And I think if he improves slightly, maybe above slightly, he'll have an over 900 OPS and be one of the better first basemen in baseball. I just, I can't sit here and just be like, all right, 48 WRC plus against lefties because he had it in 2021. He will then be bad in 2022 and be out against lefties and you can't start him. I, I, I don't know if I can get around to that. And it'll be super interesting to see next year those adjustments he makes because I'll bite my tongue if he makes no adjustments. That's on me. But if he does, like we got to talk about it because he really is. I just think he's too talented for a 48 WRC plus against lefties next year. See, this is the conundrum, though. Like, this is what we say about so many guys with ground ball percentage. Like, we've been saying it for years with Eric Cosmer. It's like, Eric Cosmer is just too good of a player to not hit fly balls. he's not too good of a player. But though. he is, dude. Like, he is. Like, these are MLB players. They're professional athletes at the highest level. Jared Walsh is way better than Hosmer. I'm not saying that, that of course, of course. I'm trying to say, like, their mentality, right? They're, they're the best yes. players in the league. They know that. They're working at their craft every single day. And obviously, I think Jared Walsh is trying to get hit better at hitting lefties but sometimes it just doesn't work for left-handed like at left-handed hitters it just doesn't work so like until he shows that he can hit lefties i i am not i'll buy it then i will buy it then that's that's fair i think that's fair that's why we have 7a 7b when the rankings come out on just baseball.com you'll see which one of us stabbed each other in the back and had them <laughs> above <laughs> but let's uh, let's break into the top five because the top five is uh it's pretty wait no don't awesome. don't skip over oh yeah wait i'm an idiot yeah uh, five yeah, yeah we yeah, did yeah, seven yeah, a and yeah. seven b because we did six <laughs> <laughs> so yeah five okay i'm up i'm up for five aren't i you're up. okay <laughs> number five 
is a guy that that I mean these five you should know, but number five is a guy that when it all is said and done, we might be talking about him as a Hall of Famer. I, he probably gets my vote right now to be in the yeah. Hall of Fame. It's Paul Goldschmidt of the St. Louis Cardinals, who last year hit 294 with 31 home runs, 102 runs, 99 RBIs, and amazingly, he stole 12 bags, which was a career high since 2016 or 2017. So this guy's a lock. I mean, he's the lock of locks at the plate. He's hit 290 or above in eight of the last nine seasons, and he's eclipsed 30 home runs in the last four full seasons, if you exclude 2020, obviously. The Cardinals lineup is good enough. He'll probably get to 100 runs, 100 RBIs again. And now I wouldn't count on 12 steals again because that's a high number. That's a really high number, but I think he's good for seven or eight steals again. I really do. I think he he's had six or more in the last six seasons of his career. He likes to steal. He's a very, very smart player, a, a smart stealer. Paul Goldschmidt's amazing. Nothing not to love about Paul Goldschmidt. See, that's the thing. It's like when we say we don't want to draft a first baseman in the in the first 10 rounds, but if you see Paul Goldschmidt drop a little bit, he's so solid, and you know what you're going to get. And you're getting the steals. You're getting the steals, which not a lot of these first basemen are going to steal that many. And I think to your point about 12 steals, Maybe he takes a step back, but I could see 10 easy. I could even see more than 12. I wouldn't be surprised. It's not like he's slowing down or anything. Um, I know he's a year older, but, I mean, he's just he's phenomenal. And, and to your point about the Hall of Fame conversation, something that we're going to have to have because he's compiled a very somewhat under-the-radar type career just playing in Arizona for so long, but now he's with the Cardinals and everybody knows who Paul Goldschmidt is. But that's going to be an interesting conversation. Also, just staying on the Cardinals, is Yadier Molina a first ballot Hall of Famer? I was getting that a lot on the TikTok Live, um, people asking about that. And I was like, I don't know if he's a first rounder. He's a Hall of Famer. I don't know if he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Man, I mean, might be. I don't know. that's a tough, tough one. I think that's a really, really tough one because, like, to most casual MLB fans, if you pulled them on that, he'd probably be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And, like, he probably is cl- he's going to be close be. i'm not going to say he is i think he's going to be close um i don't think that yadi was like he's not he, he's not the best catcher of all time which a lot of people might say no um, johnny benches and he's probably not even like in the top five but that's okay i i don't think probably he's a, i don't think he's a first ballot guy uh, do you think he's top five because it's funny it's like a guy like Pudge Rodriguez, who did steroids, versus Yadier Molina. Like, who's better? I mean, Pudge had better numbers and defensively, but the steroids. So it's like it's a, it's an interesting conversation. But he's up there with it the is. greats, like with the Yogi Berras of the world. I watched a great foolish baseball video, and it was basically Yadier Molina is very similar to Yogi Berra. But Yogi Berra's got ten chips. Ten. Do you know that Yogi Berra's got ten chips? Those Yankees teams back then were just nuts. <laughs> the thirties were nuts. I mean, the, yeah, the 30s, the 50s were nuts. You know, the 90s were nuts. They they, they did pretty well. 27 until you were bad. until you were born. They're like Peter Apple was born. And, yeah. We're gonna stop winning. <laughs> no, no, it's funny. I was born in 97. They won in 98. Won in 99. Then 2000. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, let's I talk mean, about a. No, you go. Let's talk about another New Yorker. Let's talk about another New Yorker. How about Pete Alonzo of the New York Mets at number four? We think Pete Alonzo is going to lead all of baseball in home runs next year. He's got 50-plus home run potential. 
but he's become so much better of a more well-rounded offensive weapon. He had the highest average of his career last year at 262, but his expected batting average was 271, and I could see that as a real possibility in 2022. 100 runs, 100 RBIs is certainly on the table, and he even stole three bases last year. I wouldn't be surprised if Pete Alonso finishes near the top of the fantasy baseball rankings next year, and he's currently being drafted as the fifth best first baseman, but we think he should be number four. And our number three guy, he had the best year ever and will most likely continue to have those types of years. But Pete Alonso, I would say, might be even a little bit safer, and the power potential is nuts. Yeah, I think from a value perspective, you're spot on with taking Alonso over the third best guy because I think they're going to have very similar years um and you're spot on man I think people forget that Pete Alonso hit 53 home runs with 120 RBIs just two years ago in his rookie season in his rookie season right he's only this only is he, he it's going to be his third year in the league and and he's a lock to win a home run derby again the crazy thing here with Pete Alonso is Right, I mentioned the 53 home runs. His contact stats today are even better. He's hitting the ball in the air more. He's hitting the ball even harder. And to me, I think there's no way that Pete Alonso ends this year with a home run per fly ball per rate below 20%. With how hard he hits the ball in the air, there's no way that he should have a home run per fly ball rate of below 20%. I could see 23 25%. He's going to creep back. He's a lock to go above 40 home runs, but I think he is he's a good bet to even approach 50 again and eclipse 50 again. If I gave you, if I gave you a line and like if we're betting on specific futures, let's say we play a full 162, just assume that we are. If I gave you 44 and a half home runs, that's the line for Pete Alonso. Are you going over or under? Over, and I don't even have to think about it. Like I think 44 and a half would be right. like generous. I'd probably put it at 46 and a half. Like, I think he can do They're that. They're not going to do it, though. They're going to put it a little bit lower, I bet. We're going we're to bet that. <laughs> we're yeah, going to bet, bet that. Because I think, I, think... I, I actually think he's going to hit 50 home runs. Like, I think yep. he put everything together, and I think he's going to sell out a little bit more for the power. So that's why I don't know if he's actually going to hit 270, but I see it as a possibility just because of what I've yep. seen from him at the plate. But, like, if he hits 250 even, let's say he he's like, you know what, I'm hitting 50 this year. You know, he strikes out a little bit more. I think he could do it. Like, I, and I'm not, it's not even a hot take. I think that's likely. Yeah, I think it is likely. And, and before we get into the number three guy, I think it's important to mention also the Mets lineup was absolutely anemic last year. Like, it was like, Terrible. it was like COVID spread through their whole entire clubhouse. But it, instead of COVID, it was like the inability to hit. And literally, and they, they're all good players. They just all had, yeah, down they years all had down years. Lindor, I, Dom Smith, yeah. like all, of them. I don't expect that to happen this year. And with Starling Marte being added to this lineup, I think Lindor is going to have a bounce back. Pete Alonso is going to have a lot of run or RBI opportunities. He'll, he'll have over a hundred again. I don't think we're going to see a year where Pete Alonso has what he have last year. 94 RBIs, he's going to have 110 at least next year. I, I Starling Marte is going to steal a bunch of runs, and with a healthy Brandon Nimmo as well, I'm yeah. excited for the Mets team. Yeah. So that brings us to number three, who this is a cousin of mine. It's Matt Olson of um, the o Oakland Athletics for now. So last year, 270, 39 home runs, 101 runs, 111 RBIs, four stolen bags. The question with Matt Olson is where is he going to end up how is that going to impact his performance in 2022? Because 
right? He could get traded to a bad stadium, to a worse team. He's probably going to get traded to a good team. But, like, how does Matt Olsen handle that limelight of being traded in a blockbuster trade? Like, mentally, that can definitely mess with you. And maybe he gets off to a slow start because of that. Uh, maybe he's comfortable in Oakland, right? The eyes are not always on you in Oakland. If you go to a team like the Yankees, where reporters are going to be at your neck if you don't start those first, you know, 30, 40 games with, with a bang. Um, regardless, I think Matt Olson is locked in for what he did last year. And, and honestly, I could see him even doing more. Like Pete Alonso, he's another guy that had a home run per fly ball percentage below 20%. And with... Right, like we said with Pete Alonso, he hits the ball in the air, he hits the ball hard. I don't see that happening. I think he could have a year where he has a home run per fly ball rate of close to twenty five percent, and before you know it, he's hitting fifty home runs. I agree. I was trying to go through and find some areas of regression for Matt Olson. Couldn't really find anything. Dude, just straight up raked last year, and it looked like this is what we're going to see. And it's interesting to your point about moving from Oakland to you know, New York, how is he going to adjust to the media? But the, but the great thing about it is it might just kind of cancel each other out just because Oakland is so freaking hard to hit yeah. at with the enormous foul grounds and the far, you know, with the far fences. And then at Yankee Stadium, he's a lefty. Okay, you're talking like he's ending up at Yankee Stadium right now, which I hate. I mean, he <laughs> might. No, but, no, but I, 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 to your point that I think it depends on where he goes. Yeah. But regardless, he's going to rake and is a very safe option, even though last year was really his breakout. We really don't see that as a – well, I mean, it was a breakout, but we just see that continue. It was a breakout into stardom. Like, it was a breakout into, into being yes, a star. Exactly. And, and I, I could see him Good being better. Like, I really could. I, I, I did the same thing as you, Peter. I went and I was like, where can I pick a hole in this where, guy? And, and, yeah, and yeah, I, went, I came out going, wait, he's going to be better. Holy shit, he's going to be better. Yeah, I agree. I was like, this guy rakes. Like, he's so good. I was watching more film, too, and I'm like, God, this swing is swing gorgeous. swing is so, so, so sexy. And just besides fantasy baseball, awesome defender. Like, he's, besides fantasy, well, he's ranked number three in our fantasy baseball rankings, but he is a definitive top five first baseman. And I think you can make the argument that after the two guys we're about to talk about, he might actually be the third best first baseman in real baseball. But that brings us to number two. Freddie Freeman of the Atlanta Braves currently. Ah, no, he's a free agent. He's a free agent. He might not be a Brave. And that's what we got to talk about. Will Freddie Freeman be a Brave, a Dodger, a Yankee? It matters in the grand scheme of baseball, but in fantasy, we know wherever he's at, he will rake. He's currently being drafted as a second rounder, and he's one of the safest bets to produce at that level. Checks every single box. He's most likely going to hit 300. He's going to hit 30 home runs. He's going to drive in 100. And he's going to score like 110. Not, I'm not just going to say, oh, he's going to score 100 and, and drive in 100. No, no, he's probably going to get 110 runs. And he even stole eight bases last year. And he has more stolen bases since 2019 than Mike freaking Trout. He has 16 stolen bases since 2019. Trout has 14, obviously. Trout is faster, and he has dealt with injuries. But I thought that was a funny trivia question that I had today on our TikTok, at Just Baseball Fans. You know, <laughs> Freddie Freeman could run a little bit. He's just such a good he player. Has, I love him. He has death. six stolen bases, or more than six stolen bases, in five straight seasons. I did not know. Like that's, I mean, it's not that I didn't know that about Freddie Freeman, but, like, the guy can run. He can run a little bit. No, 
it's like some things that you know, but when you yeah. see the numbers actually on paper, it's just kind of like the the absolute number that always does that to me is when Shohei Otani stole twenty six bases. <laughs> yeah, like Fernando Tatis stole twenty six yeah. bases. Like that number, just reading it. It just blows my mind every single time. And um, I think that's the thing about the stolen bases, Freddie. They're not going to blow you out the water, but the fact that you're actually getting value from a guy who is one of the best also in every single other box, it's a no-brainer. I just don't know if I'd take him in the second round. It depends who your first-round pick is. Like, for example, if I have the first pick, and I went Tatis number one, and then I went Freddie in a pitcher... I'm feeling good just because of how many outfielders yeah, there are. I, but then again, you got to, you know. I don't think I can. I don't think I can justify taking a first baseman in the second round. Like it's just like I know, but it's Freddie. It's Freddie, like, but like, would you not like dude. rather Kyle Tucker, dude? Like, like that's the thing. Yeah, like you're getting, Tucker, but I, maybe it was Kyle Tucker get drafted before. He probably Freddie does, though. right? He probably does. Or like yeah, even like Luis Robert could hit 300 with 30 home runs and even more stolen bases than than Freddie. I think they're in that same. I mean, like okay, let's pull up ADP right here. I think this is a great this is a great conversation yeah, no, to have. Good, yeah. Um, yeah I so Freddie is 20th ranked fantasy player by ADP right now. Ahead of him is Ozzy Albies. Right ahead of him, Luis Robert. Right behind him is. Brandon Woodruff, Manny Machado, Starling Marte, Jordan Alvarez. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think that's a great point, right? You're like, I think that might be the spot for a pitcher, or you're looking for one of those guys that does right. fall. If a Luis Robert does fall right there. Like let let's say you go, let's say you go Tatis, Freddie, Shane Bieber, or someone like that. Like, those first three picks are really, really good. And you have some upside. You have some st- stability. And then you have the upside from Bieber. I, 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 it, it, that's just how I draft. I try, like, if I'm going to go for a big-time risk, I want my next pick or at least preceding picks to keep me upright. And then if that guy blasts off, I can win the yeah. league. And if he doesn't, like, that's how I play fantasy baseball. It's like, I want to either win the league or, like, finish eighth. <clears throat> Like, finishing third or fourth doesn't do a lot for me. And I know the draft, you're going to make trades, so it's not like, oh, because I drafted, I finished here. But that's just kind of how I think about it. Because if I'm going to take a Tatis, number one, Freddie on the back end just I have makes a hot take, safe. and I don't think it's going to be a hot take by the end of the year, but I, I really think yeah. here I'd rather draft Jordan Alvarez with outfield eligibility than draft Freddie Freeman with the first base eligibility and just save that first base slot for me later. Because I think Jordan Alvarez is a guy that that you talk about the 110 runs that Freddie's going to get. I think Jordan Alvarez in that Astros lineup, you know, he's not a great base runner. He's a slow guy, but he's gonna he's gonna get 35, 40 home runs, 100 runs, 110, 120 RBIs, and he's probably still gonna hit 300 like Freddie does. Um, so I think I'm too. probably taking Jordan over yeah. over Freddie. But it's right an interesting there. conversation, right? Freddie's just I probably Freddie is an automatic guy. Definitely, he's automatic. And also because you and I, you and I both love Jordan like so much. So yeah. it's also kind of like our bias a little bit that we, because I don't know, like that's a hot take. I, I'd say in some fantasy circles, like, oh yeah, we take Jordan over Freddie Freeman. Yeah. Like that just hearing those words sounds controversial, but I think we're both on the same side just because of yeah, how yeah, high I think there's definitely people Jordan out there that that would be in agreement with that. Um, but that brings us to number one, and and this this is a su- surprise to literally nobody in the entire world it's vladimir guerrero jr of the toronto blue jays 
who last year hit 311 with 48 home runs, 123 runs, 111 RBIs, and four stolen bases. He only missed one game. The amazing thing is, Pete, right? I've told you about this, how I calculate player value using Z-scores. So you figure out how valuable a player was in each category above average. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was the best fantasy hitter using Z-scores last year. He was the best fantasy player. And so it's a tough question here. I think it's I think it's a very, very tough question. Do you draft Vlad Guerrero Jr. sixth overall? Like, do you? Because you're not going to get the stolen base numbers that you would probably like to in that first round. But do you believe that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to repeat the success that he had last year? Like, yeah, <laughs> I do. Uh, but just because I think that doesn't necessarily mean I think I should. Uh, no, you know what? Because I just keep going back and forth on this, and I never really came to a conclusion. I kind of wanted to come to a conclusion live on the pod. I think I would take him sixth or seventh. Because when you're looking at ADP, and you're Peter, looking, do you want to tell? Do you want me to tell you who to you're missing? Like who else you could choose from? Right. Like no, no, no. I I see it right here. Like for example, like would you pick Bo Bichette over Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Like Garrett Cole, Shohei Otani. That's the guys that are going right in the middle. Out of Bo Bichette, Vladdy, Garrett Cole, and Shohei Otani, I think you could argue that the safest bet to finish within the top ten is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Garrett Cole. Shohei Otani, you know, I mean, he could finish as number one and just make us all look like idiots and do it again. But I don't think it's that foolish. I know it's the first base, but we know he's going to be incredible. So I don't. Think I don't it's think so either. I think the only round. hole that you can plug in Shohei Otani is one: his run to fly ball rate last year was very high. It was twenty six and a half percent. Vladdy. It was very, very high. I don't know if he'll do that again. Like, Ooh, I could see some regression back into the low yeah. 20s. He really could. He really could. I think the only other, like, hole that you can <laughs> yeah. pick in actually a lot of these uh, Blue Jays guys last year is they weren't playing at home last year. They were playing Dunedin and in Buffalo, which were Mars. Like, they were on Mars when point. they were playing there. Like, they were hitting nukes after nuke after nuke. Um, and so in the first half, Adi had, I, I believe, 28 home runs going into the All-Star break. He had 20 in the second half. So let's not like be like, okay, Vladdy just fell off in the second half. No, he did not. Um, but in order for Vladdy to be worth the current price tag, he's going to have to hit close to 50 with all the numbers we just talked about. And I think that can happen. Let's remember, I, I'm, sh- I'm actually shocked by this. I think... We for maybe this is another one of those that you probably knew it, but you forgot it. Vladdy has not turned 23 years old yet. Vladdy is is literally our age, and he's only going to get yeah. better. I think he's only going to get better, gonna get smarter, gonna be able to control his body, learn pitchers, learn pitches. It's only up. Would you take Would you take Bryce Harper over Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? No. I don't think I would either. So we're, you know, he's a first rounder. Like I think I'm I think taking him Vladdy at six out of the. First I think maybe round, like like the only guy sick, that good. I could see me me taking in that I first round, too. instead of Vladdy, if I get that sixth pick, is 
Corbin Burns, maybe? Like, brisket for Otani? I think those are all valid, but even, even then, I think it's Vladdy all the way there. Um, it, it's a great it's a great conversation to have. I think Vladdy is, oh, man, he had 6.4 war last year, and we know all of that was from his bat. That man cannot play defense, so. <laughs> and this was another great conversation. Hope you enjoyed first baseman 10 to 1 for fantasy baseball, 5 by 5 for 2022. Give us a follow on Twitter because I think, Colby, you and I should pull Jared Walsh or Jose Abreu for Fantasy Baseball. Just see what the people think. So if you want to find that poll and you want to find a lot of the links to this podcast, check us out on Twitter, gambling underscore advice. But the title, of course, is not gambling advice. Also, go check us out uh, at justbaseball.com. Our full rankings will be up there at the beginning of next week. 